All right, fam, so if you open up your Bibles, if you are new, we are studying the book of Genesis. Mac Average, you already know that, so you should already be on a chapter. And um, we are um, hitting a lot of text. We're in the middle of chapter 41, and we're dealing with the life of Joseph. We've been hanging out for a while now, guys. Uh, it's going to... we got a lot to cover, so I'm going to jump right in. Sorry, guys, I won't be able to go through um, and give you an overview of the last 40-something chapters. Uh, but you can go online and you can check out, uh, hopefully, the sermons. Um, and hopefully, even if you are new and you don't know much about the Gen- book of Genesis, you will still be encouraged at some level uh, about this guy named Joseph. Um, and just real quick, um, the only brief synopsis I can give you about Joseph is this. Um, he is part of this lineage that God has been lying toward, okay? Uh, so basically, God is trying to show you and me in scriptures, especially in Genesis, as he's beginning this whole thing. He's saying, oh, so I've created all things and I'm good. Uh, men's bad. And so basically, the theme of the scriptures is you have good God, bad people. Um, and then what God does is he shows that in general, and then he makes it specific by focusing in on a specific family. Okay, he focuses in on Abraham. Abraham has these generations, and basically God is going to solve the sin problem by grace, by, by his grace through humanity um, and God. Okay, and so what he does is Abraham begins to have kids. So you have Abraham, Isaac, you have Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, and he has a daughter. Um, and what happens is these guys are all over the place and crazy, and we begin to see how sinful and messed up they are. That gives everybody in the room hope because we're just as messed up as they are and allows us to trust the Lord. And what he does is he focuses even more in on this one guy specifically here in Joseph. And what we're going to begin to see is he's focusing in on Joseph for a couple of reasons. First, he's trying to show us on what he's doing in redemptive history. When we use that word redemptive history, we're basically saying history that was broken and how God makes it whole again. So when you talk about redemption, it's taking something broken and fixing it. Okay? So that's what God is doing in all of our lives if you responded to Christ. And that's what he's doing to the world, uh, whether you know it or not. And, and so now we're here with Joseph. Joseph is a guy who uh, begins to, he starts off kind of arrogant. God blesses him by his grace um, to be a man of integrity. We see many times uh, Joseph is doing some really cool things. But, every, but a lot of bad things are happening to him. His brothers try to kill him because of jealousy. He gets sold to, uh, into slavery to the Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites sells him into slavery to the Egyptians. Um, he's, he's doing his job. He's being faithful as an Egyptian. And well, as a, a Hebrew in the Egyptian land, uh, one of the Egyptian honeys tries to have sex with him. He runs. She lies on him. He gets thrown into prison by Potiphar. He's so, he has such a, he has such integrity that in a prison they give him the keys and say, we want you to run the prison. Uh, he blesses some people in the prison. They forget him. He ends up being in prison for many years. And then we see, uh, last week, he, uh, basically gets out of prison because he is trusting the Lord and the Lord gives him, um, an opportunity to tell a dream, uh, to Pharaoh. Okay? So he's a slave all this time. Now just understand something because we're going to be dealing with family here. He's a slave. For many years, say around about uh, about 13 years. OK, so he basically the time when he's thrown in the ditch and almost killed by his brothers to now it's been about 13 years. So he spent basically his 20s in prison. OK, he's been a slave all this time and he's probably he probably hasn't seen uh, his his parent. You know, he hasn't seen his parent or his brothers in probably about 20 years. 
So you got 13 years of, of probably like prison and being just being a slave. Um, and then you got maybe 20 years of not even seeing his family. So keep that in your mind as we look at the text. OK, guys, because this is where we are right now. This is this is Joseph, a guy who's just trusting the Lord in the midst of all this drama. We're starting in verse 41. Are you still with me? All right. Holla at your boy. OK, ready? Here we go. Um, where are those markers? I'm sorry. OK, so we start in verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, uh, and now we're in the middle. Remember, he told a dream to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, man, you're the only one in this whole nation that has the Holy Spirit. You have spoken God's oracles. Man, I want to listen to this guy. So you have Pharaoh who sees himself as God. He has to submit to a slave because he is not God enough to, to understand his own dreams. So he submits to a Hebrew slave. He says, man, you got it going on. I want to listen to you because you're talking about what God is saying. Listen to Joseph because Joseph will get us out of this mess of a famine that's going to happen. Basically, Egypt's going to have seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. But the famine is going to be so crazy that it's going to make people forget about the seven years of plenty. OK, so then Joseph tells him the dream. He says, man, this Joseph guy is, is, is he's awesome. And he, he makes Joseph second in command in all of Egypt. Egypt is the most powerful nation. Again, we talked about in numbers, maybe 1,200 or 1,400 years of, of being the most powerful nation in the known world. OK, which is probably twice the time of the Greek and Roman Empire combined. Just to let you know what we're dealing with here. So he, he's, he, he moves from slavery to prison to second in command. And remember, the guy who put him in prison was actually third in command. So he's even over that dude now. Which a simple brother like me would have went back to that dude. Like, remember what you did to me? But that's, that's beside the point. So, but see, some of y'all mad. Like, I can't believe the pastor said that, but that's why I'm not Jesus. So, so look, what, look what happens here. It says, the scripture says, So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Verse 42, then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and pure gold chain. Is Jay Mack in the house? Come on. Where my boy at? We got rings. We bling him. He got gold chains. I mean, you, I mean, you can't get more culturally relevant where we live in our community. This is our hood. And this is what's going on. They macking him out, right? It says... He dressed them in robes of fine linen, uh, put a gold chain around his neck, right? I mean, just like you're a ball in that, right? I mean, look at this. He says in verse 40, 40, 43, he had him ride in a chariot as a second in command. I mean, this is just a rap video. This is awesome. I mean, he, now he got an Escalade, right? Balling. Jaguar. And men shouted before him, like 50 Cent, right? I'm, ball, I'm big time. I got my gold ring. Now I got to have my boys around me, right? And the boys say, make way. Look what it's saying in the scriptures. It says, and men, and men shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. So he got his boys now. He is rich. All right. Y'all know y'all. Now I'm rich. This is what he said, right? <laughs> He's rich. He got money. He has gold chains. He's blinged up with the fingers. Verse 44 says, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. I mean, this is the kind of power he gives this man. He says, I'm Pharaoh, so I'm still the man, let's be clear, but no one will do anything in this whole land unless you say it. Can you imagine? I mean, think about the, I mean, this is a Hebrew guy. They're actually racist toward the Hebrews. We're going to see that in a moment. That he's going to make this guy second in command, but then he can't eat with the Egyptians. Craziness. So we'll see that in a moment. So he says, this is what I'm going to make. You, this is what I'm putting you in charge of everything. And he says in verse 45, Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath. 
and Penea, uh, Zephina Penea, and gave him um, Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Two quick things. So some people see this, and I've had some of you guys be kind of upset with Joseph. Like, why did he sell out? Why did he take an Egyptian name? Why does he have this Egyptian honey? Right? And you get, get all self-righteous and stuff. But um, I'm just joking. You're trying to be biblical. But... Um, but the reason, now I propose though, I don't know necessarily, it seems that the author, again, you think of these guys, they're reading this in the, in the wilderness. I don't, I, I'm proposing to you that the author didn't see this as a huge issue at this point uh, because you don't see him making it a negative issue. And we actually see this in other times of scripture, and I brought it up even in our mad group. You see this in the book of Daniel in chapter 2, okay? And people don't give Daniel a hard time, right? So you see Daniel actually gets his name changed uh, when he, by the Babylonians, okay, in chapter two, or he, you know, I mean, what he's going to say, you're a slave, you change your name, you use that name. So, uh, so I don't think this is a big issue here. I don't, um, and in fact, you say, well, why did he take, um, you know, uh, an Egyptian woman? I mean, again, we don't know, um, we don't, we just don't know. The author doesn't tell us if she came to Christ, if she was a believer, if like he married her and was like, I'm your man, so you follow what I'm about, and here's my God. Because what we do know in the text is that you never see Joseph um, ever compromise his faith. Okay, you never see that. But what you do see, you see him in culture, which we can talk about in a moment. So my point in that is that I don't think we have enough information, enough evidence to say that he actually compromised but what we do know is that he is, he's probably the only Hebrew in Egypt, and this is where he was, living in the land. And so he took uh, these individuals. So hopefully that will help you guys have enough ammunition for a lot of arguments in that group. Um, and so, um, and notice something else. It says, and Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt, which in this day was very unlikely. I mean, these guys probably never seen their pharaoh. They didn't have individuals of such stature going around checking out what's going on in the community, which I propose to you um, is some great insight for us. Here's this Hebrew guy, and it sort of sets, sets Joseph apart again. And he gets all this power. Look what he does. He goes around the land and sees what's up. Very interesting. He actually goes around and tries to check out what's going on with the, with the individuals within the land, which um, brings me to a very, a very interesting point. And I'm going to read it in one moment. Continue on in verse 46. It says, Joseph was 30 years old uh, when, he, when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, which is where you can deduce like, how much time he has spent um, in prison and whatnot. But I want to talk about something real quick here. So you have, um, I think there's a, there's a big argument because here we are, we're in our community, and, and I've been, I've been uh, encouraged because I think I do this sometimes, and I want, to, I want to stop doing this, guys, and I want to confess to you. I want to make sure that when we talk about our community in this community, in this, in this body, we don't talk about the community anymore as if we're still moving into this community, right? As if, like, the community's here, we're moving in, and we're still kind of these foreigners, you know, and we're still trying to get our, our roots. No, this is our community. We are neighboring in our community and we're not doing something to people in this community because it's our community. I've been here five years now, so, I'm, so we, hey, again, we always say, you know, take off the diapers, pull up, you know, put some underwear on. We're getting bigger now, okay? So we got to quit playing these games. So I want to I apologize for that. We need to have a dialogue about this community, not about us coming out, moving in, but about what are we doing 
as members of this community. Which brings me to a question. And that's a question. When you look at Joseph's life here, the question we have to ask ourselves is, how does one change culture? Okay, because there's 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 a lot of debate right now. How one's changing? How does one change culture? And I'm proposing that this is something that we have to talk about as a body, as we are neighboring, as we are doing life in our community. Okay, now some people would say you change culture, and a lot of times you see believers do. I'm just keeping it real. We get mad. We see people sinning. And we go, wow, you sin and stop sinning. And we get mad, we scream, and we, and we kind of protest. And we, and we almost treat culture like we're good people, and then everybody else is bad sinners, and it's kind of us against them. Okay, that can kind of be the natural reaction sometimes. All right, which I propose, and I want to be very clear here, if you think like that at MacAv, we want to take you through detox, because that's not MacAv's position. Are we really clear there? You are not good and people are bad, you are just as bad as people. We are all bad, God is good, and what we want to do is we move here to exalt Christ and to do good for our city. You see that? So we are, so, that, so if that's the case, see, if it, when it's not you against me now, it's not just simply I, I go to uh, a hack party, which is something that we do in our community because I want to make much of God. I do. But I also go to the hack party because I want to do good for my community. Do you see the double-edged sword there? All right, let me say it, let me say it a different way. So here's what can happen sometimes. Um, some of you guys, um, have you heard of the, the, the term upstream when you talk about community and you talk about uh, you have upstream individuals, and upstream can happen both from a community perspective, okay, um, and it can happen from the perspective of a power broker, okay? Let me explain this. So, so what happens is, at MacAv, we do something really well. What's going on now? Some of you guys have been gracious and you have moved in. So we move in and I got to I want to go here because it's very important. We'll just have to continue next time. But this is very important for us to discuss this. OK, because we have to make sure that we're keeping our, our wits about us and making sure we're not just doing stuff, but we're being like super theologically focused and, 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 bibli- and biblicentrically sound as we move in this community. OK, we move in a lot of times. OK, and we can sometimes think now we've now we've done this. We can think since I've since we've moved in, I'm automatically influencing the community. I've done my work. And so and so a lot of us, including myself, we, we have moved we move in to neighbor, but what happens is we spend all of our time either I was talking to a good friend of mine, either hanging out and sitting in our house, the nice house that we bought by a good price, praise the Lord, hallelujah, or we spend most of our times fixing up our house. Okay? And then when we're done, we just sit back, you know, with, you know, IBC root beer, and we don't do anything else. And we just go, wow, that was a lot of work. Whew! Okay? And then, but you see what happened? Is that, is that we've lied to ourselves, and you think the goal, you think you've done something when you've moved in. But see, you still haven't moved upstream. You still don't have any influence. Okay? That makes sense? You still have any influence. So, so here's what we're seeing in Joseph, just, just pragmatic. We're just talking implications. This isn't a theological interpretation of the text, but there's an implication that we have to see with Joseph. 
See, you, we can sit around and you can go, man, I, you know, bad things are happening and, and, and unbelievers are messed up. And look at us. We're trying to be good versus trying to figure out, Lord, how do we influence the community? So there's two main ways. So there's the way of, of, of being upstream from a power broker perspective, which some of you will be able to do. What I mean by that is some of you guys, you can change, you can change culture and you can change community. Some of you can change culture because you have an opportunity to be a power broker. Some of you are doctors, okay? Some of you are going to be lawyers. Some of you are going to be teachers. Some of you are in a professional world where you own your own businesses. And what happens is eventually at some point, versus just saying, well, I want to be all that for Jesus. I'm going to quit being a doctor. I'm going to be a bum and I'm come hang out with you, Eric, you know, that kind of thing. And then, then now, Mac, I got to take care of you too. Like, some of us, some of us have that, that radical mindset. We think that's, we think that's like glorifying the Lord. And we're scared to be rich. We're scared to have power because we think we're selling out to God. But I'm proposing to you, even as you look at Joseph, God can use it for his glory. So, so, so there's, so there's an issue where you can have power broker, you can have cultural influence where you say, oh, God has made me a doctor. Let me not be like the, like the cupbearer do where God blesses me and I forget him. But when God puts me in that position, now I'm putting people on in that position. You follow me? See, wealthy people do this all the time. Okay? I have a friend who owns a hedge fund, and it just happens. All his friends' sons always happen to work there. And he just thinks, well, Eric, I would let all the individuals work here, but these are guys that are just really qualified. I'm like, no, let's just keep it real. These are your boys' sons. I'm cool with that because we're in a capitalistic society, but let's be honest. See, and we've seen this happen in our body. You know, when John Jacobson, you know, remember back in the day, and he put with my boy named Andre on, and he gave, he gave individuals jobs. Think of, uh, think of Gretchen. How many people have worked for Gretchen in this body already? Three or four people? Okay. How, I mean, how many people has she said, you know what, I'm a GM at a, at a, at a restaurant. I'm going to put people on. I'm going to help people. Are you following me? So at some point, we're going to be able to call shots. And so some of you guys, God wants you to have that kind of influence. And he wants you to be able to call shots. Am I making sense? Because some of you guys are looking kind of, come on, don't be so, come on now. All right? Okay, so, but then, but see, here's the thing. So some of you guys, but that doesn't mean just because you can't be a lawyer and you're not an electrician and you're not an engineer, that you can't still have super kingdom impact for Christ. Because there's still a component of community influence where you can be upstream in community. Well, I'm saying I'm not saying that every decision we're going to make is going to be is going to be super wise. I think some of us, again, there's a difference between enablement and making stupid decisions. OK, and having a heart to be willing and ready and looking for those opportunities, looking like having your wits about you saying, I know why God has me here. I know why the Lord has me here. And so I'm going to be strategic in what I do. So all these doctors, you're going to be doctors and you're going to be calling the shots wherever you are. And don't forget what the Lord has done. Because now you're calling the shots. 
teachers, engineers. You're going to be running, you're going to be running some of these companies. Some of you guys are going to have huge companies. And the question is, what are you going to do with that stuff? Now you're calling the shots. You can change culture. You can change the culture in which you are in. Are you feeling me? I get kind of emotional. You see what I'm saying, though? And so, and so I'm not, yeah, I think it's hard and it's messy, but first we've got to, just, we've got to all be on the same page that it's a reality. But I want to, but I want to focus on the community piece. The community piece is where, is where we are now, guys. And hear me here, because the community piece is like, it's not enough just to say you moved in here. Some of you, you know, some of you guys, you, you moved in here and you're never in a community. And you, what do you think you did? You didn't do nothing. Sorry. If you don't, you, it's not enough just to say, I got a house here. But God is saying, look, to be a broker, to say, I'm in there and I want to affect change, I need to be influenced. You have to say, Lord, what does it look like for me to figure out where are the tentacles in the community and let me place myself there strategically? Now, if we don't want to do that, that's cool, but then don't come at me or don't come at anybody come out. Why are more people coming? Look, man, influence the community. It's intentionality. And so, so I just want to make sure that we at MacGab don't fool ourselves and pat ourselves on the back and think, wow, look at all the people that moved in. Look at more. And that you'll pat yourself on the back. I moved into MacGab and then paint this whole story where you really just sat here for two years. You moved in. You, you, you know, you got our resource. You did your thing and then you dipped. Just be honest. That's not affecting change for us. Let me be clear. You're not helping us. Okay? So, but... Community to, to go upstream. What I mean in that is to get into the the, the, the milieu of the whatever wherever you are, and to say, okay, what are you doing to have parties? How do I enter into this? How do I dialogue? With, I mean, being in a community, being a part of, not just spending all your time out here and then sleeping in the one four. <sighs> so, so this is a great start, but that does absolutely nothing as far as influence. And what you see with Joseph is you see Joseph says, wow, I mean, is all Egyptians and me a Hebrew, right? He's totally honoring his Lord. But guess what he's doing? Man, God is blessing. He gets upstream. He's a second in command. And he's already doing things that people didn't do. do look at your history. People, the, the, high, the high ranking officers didn't go around the land to see how people were doing. They didn't do that. But he's smiling to them like, I'm different than y'all. <laughs> I want to know what's going on. Don't you think the people thought, man, this Hebrew guy, no one's ever done that. He's being kind to me. He's being gracious. He's fair. He's judicial. Do you see what I'm saying? The pragmatic model is just very, is very convincing to me. So there's a lot for us to learn there. Um, okay, the awkward silence. Um... <laughs> I hope you hear my heart. I love you guys. I think we have the best body. I've, I've, I mean, you know how I feel about you guys. I just want us to understand we got to be strategic. We can't, we, can't, we can't get caught up and romanticize. Let's not believe what people are saying about us. All right? We know how hard it is. We know we're tripping. And we know that this is a crazy journey. Okay? So let's, let us do our thing. Let us, let us be walking with the Lord, seeking Christ, asking God. Give us the grace, not out of duty, but out of Lord, how do I love my neighbors? How do I continue? You know, like, think about it. The doctors. How many people in your community, how many people here in our community know your doctor? 
How many neighbors? Like, I mean, think about it. If you just walk to your next door neighbor and say, you know what? Hey, I just want to introduce myself. I know that I know about the resources here, but I'm in med school. I'm, you know, I'm a first year, second year, third year resident. And if there's anything you ever need, just want you to know I have that skill set. I think that'd be huge. Whether they use it or not is irrelevant. Hey, I have something to bring to this community. Guess what? I do. I love Jesus. He's my he's my all in all. I think if you don't know Christ, you're dead as a doorknob. That's beside the point, though. But here's what I will tell you. I'm here. I love the community. I love this city. And I'm here to neighbor with you. And so so I'm not judging you. I want you, as Paul said, apart from these chains, I want you to be just like me. He says in Acts, I want you to be a Christian for sure. But I love you. And I also want to serve you. And I have a skill set to do so. Just want to let you know, I mean, I know, I know you've been beating the streets, but like, yeah, talking with people, yeah, we run the Mac, we run this Maclet Center. Just want you to know, have an opportunity just to serve your kids. Just want to do good for our community. This is our community. Do you see where I'm going, guys? All right, I gotta keep going. Um, we're gonna be, I'm not gonna go the whole time, so don't get nervous. They're like, oh my goodness, how far is it gonna go? Um, we're going to have to pause for the sake of time, guys. But I wanted to get that because we need to have more discussions about that in our body so that we can make sure that we're just honoring the Lord with our steps, okay? Uh, guys, you know where I was? All right. So um, Joseph was 30 years old when he reentered the services of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from uh, Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. Verse 47, guys. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the... He said, put the food grown in the field surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he had stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. He had so much resource. They just stopped. He said, I got so much money. I don't know how much money I got at this point. Verse 50. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph um, by Asenath, Asenath, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh. And said, it is because God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So his name is me forgetful and fruitful. I don't have enough time to go into uh, the specifics there. It's very, um, very strategic. It speaks to how God was very gracious to him in some of the most painful times in our life, which I think speaks to us when we talk about relationships and what does it look like to reconcile. And what does it look like when sometimes you haven't reconciled a relationship, but you don't let that paralyze you from doing life? That he's like, God was gracious to me. In the midst of this pain here, I got played by my brothers. My brothers tried to kill me, and I've been, I haven't seen them in 20 years. I've been in prison or a slave for about 13 years at the least. But God has been gracious to not allow me to sit around and mope and go, woe is me. I can't believe my brothers played me. I ain't doing enough for you, Pharaoh. I ain't doing enough for you, Potiphar. But what he did, by God's grace, he was able to, at some level, forget and move on because he had a lot of life to live. Some of us are sitting around, still mad at the man who wasn't a man for you, right? He was a punk. He left. He left when you gave you the kids, and you were played like that. Some of you guys have been molested. There's been some horrible things that have happened to us in this local body. And God is going, we need to deal with that. We don't just act like it doesn't exist. We need to press into that, but it should not paralyze us from being who God has called us to be. And there's a balance. There's a balance, guys. 
And I praise the Lord. I feel like our local body, I feel like we, God has given us the, the, the propensity, the people who actually walk with us in that journey. So you're not just alone. But we've got to figure out a way to, while we are in our stuff and working through and trusting the Holy Spirit to be doing the work in our life, that we keep moving forward. We keep being on mission. We keep learning to share our faith. We keep this life. We keep figuring out what does it look like for us to continue to move on in life um, while we are in our brokenness. Um, the scriptures say, in verse 50, I'm sorry, verse 53, the seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph said. There was famine in all the other lands, which lets you know it wasn't just a famine in Egypt, but this famine actually affected the whole known world at the time, guys. We're talking huge. Now think about that. Think about God's sovereignty. What would have happened if God hadn't helped, helped Joseph help a bunch of unbelieving people who didn't give a rip about God? But in the whole land of Egypt, there was food, it says the scriptures say in verse, in verse 55. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt and all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe in all the world talking big stuff. I'm going to close right now. Um, we, we need to hit 42 uh, and 43, but I also want to be um, cognizant of our time here. Uh, obviously, we're stopping in the middle of a narrative, okay? And so there are, some, there are some big picture issues that we need to get through. I want us to pause. I think we have enough to be processing through in our times together with the Lord, um, specifically understanding something. So, uh, one of the biggest things that we've seen so far in Joseph's life, as God begins to show us the channel of redemption that's happened through this man, is how he was consistently a man of integrity, no matter where he was, and how, he, how God has sovereignly placed him in a place where he could be of influence in culture. Guys, is that not a cousin to what we're about right now, <laughs> at the least? Are we not sitting here going, Lord, what does it look like for you and I to tell the gospel, to live the gospel, to be about the gospel, to be believing the gospel in a community where people go, wow, there's, you, guys are, you guys are like loving each other and you're caring for us with no strings attached, but you're not, but you're not compromising your faith, you're still proclaiming Christ. And whenever you talk, you talk from a biblocentric man, you, say, you talk from a worldview that's not like mine. But you're not judging me. You're just very clear about what righteousness is in your journey. And you're very clear about the Lord. But you but you care for me. And you're, and you're helping my kids. And you're helping my kids learn how to read. And you're, and you're helping them with the medicine. And, and you're doing my yard. And you're, and, you're, and you're calling me to the truth. There's a way for us to be extremely redemptive in our community, guys. We can't do it based on duty. Can't leave here right now going, wow, I feel really bad because I didn't do anything and Eric's right. And so, man, I got to really do all this stuff now. Wrong. Wrong. You do that in two months, you'll be more mad at me and mad at Mac Ave. Look what y'all made me do. I missed my show on, at 7 p.m. on Saturday. You know, I need that. No, at some point, you and I have to learn how to say, wow, the Lord is, is very clear in the word. Lord, give me the grace. Allow me to learn to build a rhythm in my life where I enjoy sharing my faith, learning how to engage our culture, learning how to live sacrificially, not selfishly, learning how to give and not be a consumer in my life. And let me just learn how to do that with joy. Be accountable to people. Be a man of the word. Okay? Let's do it with that heart. 
We're going to sing right now, guys, okay? And then we're going to worship God because this is a time of worship. God has made us new. I want to be clear here. If you're sitting here right now, you don't understand, like, what is this? Is it Joseph and who's his God? Let me help you understand something. See, all the problems we're dealing with right now, if you're not a believer here or you're just new here, all the problems are only solved through Christ, okay? See, the thing is, God is holy and perfect. Man is sinful. God should have destroyed us all. He did not. He was very gracious. And the scriptures say he gave us mercy, which is pity. I mean, he looked upon us and said, mm, what am I going to do with you? He was so gracious to us. He gives us Jesus. And then what he does, he says, you deserve to be killed because of your sinfulness, because you have the audacity to think you're your own God or that you're worshiping some other created thing as God. But what I've done, instead of destroying you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to experience me because I'm going to murder my son. And so the so people murdered Jesus, but on our behalf, the scriptures say that his blood was spilt for us, his body broken for us. But it's not just knowing those facts. People know those facts and say those facts to me all the time in this community, and they're still not believers because it's not about facts. It's about trusting the person. It's about understanding that you are messed up. God is holy. We repent of our sin. We trust Christ as our king. Jesus gives us his righteousness. We give him our sin, and now we live a life motivated by grace. Being made more like him because he's full of made, he's made us fully like him already. That's the gospel. That's the good news that we sit around and Christians laugh about and we all happy and stuff. We're happy because we don't have to pay for our sin. And you don't have to either. If you're here right now and you're playing church, you don't have to pay for your sin. Somebody will. Either you'll let Jesus pay for your sin or you will pay for your sin. And we're asking that no one leaves here today still having to consider the reality of having the wrath of God upon them because they're an enemy of God. So what we're going to do, we just ask you, well, what do you you do, Eric? How do I, what do I need to do? Believe. Put your trust, your confidence, your faith, everything in the finished work and risen Savior of Jesus Christ, the Bible says. And it says that we now, by faith, he says he makes us holy and perfect and just. He says he places us in a place of grace. We get to live a life that's free in Christ. And now we get to be commissioned to be on mission. And that's what you see here. You see all these crazy people? That's what they're doing now. They're commissioned to be on mission. And now our life isn't about being an engineer, although we're engineers. It's not about being a doctor. But now it's about making Christ known, making much of Christ wherever we are. Whenever we're there. That makes sense. I hope that makes sense to you. If you are an unbeliever today, or even if you're a young believer, that you've been re-encouraged in your faith. Stand up with me. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have tithing offerings. Actually, that was, that was a fake.